Thank you, Sheila. Huron Carol, it was in the moon of winter time. Thank you for that prelude. Um, we have one more song for you um, by Dory Irwin Collins. It's a story for all people. It's really an invitation into Advent as people wait in darkness in fear of endless night. So words of, words of hope, words of watching, words of preparation. So please uh, enjoy a story for all people on this second Sunday of Advent. Glad that you are all here. As people wait in darkness in fear of endless night, send forth your word of comfort, a message of great light. The world stands proud before you, conflicted, hungry, poor. Come scatter pride and foolishness and mend all souls with Savior love once more. A story for all people, old story new today. A song of love and healing, a light to show. To your presence in hope and joy restored with eager hearts we listen and gather round your word we watch and wait your coming and pray for greater trust to know that while we wait for you Emmanuel you watch and wait with us a story for all people, old story new today, a song of love and healing, a light to show the way. <laughs> a time of preparation the guest is drawing near as mountain places crumble and straightened paths appear prepare a humble welcome in every heart and home and celebrate the promise of our god who is and was and is to come a story for all people Old story new today, a song of love and healing, a light to show the way. Good morning. Thanks for being here this morning, uh, second uh, Sunday in the Advent season, and so the color's blue, and the uh, nativity scene that comes from Bethlehem is starting to uh, come together. The Advent wreath is there, and uh, you look uh, marvelous. Uh, for all those online, you really should see all the folks here now. Dressed up they are. We'll get a picture of you at the end of the service. Uh, choir's here. Thank you for being here, Gloria. It's uh, good, to, good to be together this morning. The order of service is uh, printed before you on the bulletin. Everything will be projected as well. Uh, so now if it's comfortable, I would invite you to stand. Gathered in God's house, we worship in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our gathering him, O come, all ye faithful.
continue with our responsive reading, our litany for this morning. In the bleak midwinter, In a season of darkness, in a culture of impatience, we have come to worship God, to confess our brokenness. We have come to God's house in the bleak midwinter. The light shines in the darkness. Open our eyes to your coming. Open our ears to your word. Last week we lit the first uh, candle in the Advent wreath, which was a prophet's candle, remembering Old Testament prophecy of the coming Messiah. And so we light that one again this morning. And then the second candle is the Bethlehem candle. Uh, remembering this scene in Bethlehem and preparations being made there for the census. Uh, Jackson's going to light the uh, two candles in the Advent wreath as we sing O Little Town of Bethlehem. be with you. Let us pray. Come, Lord Jesus. Come in this season of anticipation and waiting. Bring joy to the world. Usher in a season of peace and remind us that the long, dark, wet days of winter will in fact give way to sunshine. The seasons will change and your love will remain. Send now your Holy Spirit to inspire us to greater service in our world. We pray in the name that is above all others, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. The reading this morning is from the 40th chapter of Isaiah. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her as she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. 
Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I say, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers. The flower fades. When the breath of God blows upon it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers. The flower fades. But the word of our God will stand forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
beautiful. Uh, it's not one you think of clapping afterwards, but I was clapping in my heart. Uh, and uh, we are just so, our life is so much richer because of the wonderful musicians that we have who serve us and sing for us and play for us. And not only that, but the wonderful artists we have who uh, do pyramids and Christmas trees and decorations around the church. Uh, nothing happens uh, without people seeing it and making it happen. And so we're very thankful to, to all of our musicians and our artists and uh, for you too for being here uh, this morning. Now I have really good news for you this morning. If you could use a little good news in your life, just say amen. amen. Like you mean it, say amen. amen. All right. Two weeks from now is Christmas Eve. That means we only have two candles remaining to be lit on that Advent wreath. And then that season of waiting and preparation will be over and we'll be transitioning. Now, how many of you have or have had the family tradition in your family of Santa photos? How many of you? Yeah, some of you? Yeah, okay. When our kids were little, we took them to Nordstrom. That was the place to go in that time. It was a tradition, uh, a tradition like, uh, I like colonoscopies. <laughs> you know, complicated prep, uncomfortable moments, and uncertain results. <laughs> yeah, we tortured our little ones so consistently that they now continue the tradition with our grandchildren. Now, I want to show you a picture. Here's Jenna and Michael Santa picture this year. There it is. <laughs> Looks familiar. You've all seen this uh, pictures like this before. The boys were not intimidated by Santa, not one little bit, but little Ava, you see her there. She just turned two, and her quote after it was over to her mom was, I sit on Santa's lap and I sad. <laughs> see, this is what we do. We love them so much, we do this to them. Yeah. Good news. I have good news to you this morning, and it's going to come from the most unlikely of places, from the prophet Isaiah and the wild-haired, bug-eating, leather-girdle-wearing John the Baptist. But before we hear from John the Baptist, let's consider the words of the 16th century Spanish nun who was known as the joyful mystic, St. Teresa of Avila, who, who wrote these words, A sad nun is a bad nun. I am more afraid of one unhappy sister than a crowd of evil spirits. What would happen if we hid what little sense of humor we had? Let each of us humbly use this to cheer others. St. Teresa of Avila realized that the real threat to the church was not sin, but it was a lack of joy. We get so caught up in empty traditions and church rules, so worried about keeping the church pure, we take great pride in our piety and the resulting melancholy of repeated confession of sins that we forget that we're supposed to be people of joy, people of good news. St. Teresa longed for relief from a joyless institution saying this, from silly devotions and sour-faced saints, good Lord, deliver us. Amen? Sometimes when uh, on vacation, which seems to be more often these days, um, I worship at churches where I'm not really sure that anyone is happy to be there. Even the pastor and the worship leaders look like, like Oregon Duck fans after the championship game. You know? <laughs> and if we are, in fact, followers of Jesus, then we should be inspired. We should be set free. We should be liberated by good news. The good news will come to us offering us promise and hope and encouragement and it will be truthful because there is no good news outside of the truth. Empty promises are known as lies. Empty promises by spouses, by politicians, or pastors leave carnage in their wake. Lies enslave us. Lies deceive us. Lies destroy our families and individuals. But the truth, we are told, the truth, God's truth, will set us free. So let's look at our assigned text for today. We're going to begin with the great Old Testament prophet Isaiah, who you just heard from. Now, Isaiah was born some 700 years before Jesus. 
And these are the words of the prophet Isaiah. Comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. So let's just look at that for a minute. Pause there and consider these very simple words. These are words of promise, and these are words of truth. Look at the sentence. Who's God? Yours. Mine. Ours. It is personal. Your God. Nothing can change the fact that we are creatures. We are precious beings created in God's image. Nothing can change our identity, and nothing can change God's identity. God's place as our creator is irresistible and true. Comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Your God. Yours like your cell phone, only it can't get lost. Yours like your toothbrush. Yours like a possession, like shared DNA. And nothing can change that. Belief or unbelief will not change that reality. Our relatedness to God is not based in our human understanding. Our intellectual assent is not necessary. You see, nothing can separate us from God's love. Not doubt, not sin, not addiction, certainly not death. Nothing can change the truth of this simple, easy, but overlooked two words, your God. The same words we see in the introduction to the Ten Commandments. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Now comfort, what about that? Why? Why comfort? Because your God knows your journey. My God knows my journey. God knows that humans need comfort. We are afraid, are we not? We are lonely. We are broken. We are fragile. And we are desperately insecure. Now, I had a dream this past week. I can't always make sense of dreams. But this one I kind of could. Uh, it, and it was, I, I remembered it in vivid detail when I woke up. And, and in this dream, I was back in DeKalb, Illinois. That's where I grew up. That's where I was raised. DeKalb High School. And I was back for a DeKalb High School reunion. Now, keep in mind, I've never been to a high school reunion before. But my days in high school are really remembered very fondly by me. They were happy days, pleasant, carefree. I enjoyed the company of my golf buddies and my poker buddies. I kissed one girl. I kept out of trouble, and I basically stayed in my lane. But in this dream, at this reunion, I was interacting with a different crowd. Familiar faces, every one of them recognizable. I was extremely uncomfortable in this dream. I was self-conscious. I was aware that in this dream, I was with the beautiful people from the class of 1977, those who peaked too soon in life. <laughs> so, so where did that dream come from? I don't really know, but I do think at some level it, sh it shed some light to the very real human insecurities that we all share. We are always one cutting word away from being a hot mess. We all have insecurities right there below the surface. And into that, God says, comfort, comfort my people. Now, I don't know what area in your life or your memories or your loneliness calls out for comfort. I don't know the answer, but I'm guessing that you do. And here's the good news. God knows too, because God knows you. The Bible says there's not a word on your lips that God does not know it already. Do you see, God knows you intimately and loves you. And God's desire for you at Christmas, in this Advent and Christmas season, is for comfort and hope and a joyful recognition of the gift that you have been given. Now, Isaiah continues with good news, saying all people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades. Surely the people are grass. How's that for truth? Does that sound like good news to you or bad news? Is this a promise of God? Well, in fact, this is not news at all, is it? It is simply an accurate description of the shared human condition. The Apostle Paul compares our life to a mist that appears for a brief moment, 80 years or so, and then just like that, the mist is gone. Is any of this news to you? Of course not. 
that reality greets you each and every morning when you drag your weary body out of bed after a poor night's sleep and move with your stiff joints towards the bathroom. You understand this. All people are grass, a mist. This is not news. But being reminded of this reality, this truth, might inform our life choices this Advent and as we continue on in the autumn of our years. God's desire for you this Christmas, comfort, hope, and a joyful recognition of the gift that has been given to you. And because God cares for you, God also calls you to repentance. Which brings us to John the Baptist. Now John is misunderstood in general. Jesus said, among those born of women, none. None are greater than John the Baptist. Now in the church, it is seemingly impossible for us to get to Christmas without a detour to the Jordan River. There to encounter the Baptist, the Advent character, John the Baptist is always lurking somewhere in week two or three of Advent. Now you should know that John was six months old when Jesus was born. When the angel told Mary the improbable, impossible news that she was with child, she immediately went on a road trip to see her Aunt Elizabeth. Elizabeth was married to a temple priest by the name of Zechariah, and they lived just outside of Jerusalem in a little village called Encarum. Now here you see an artist's depiction of Mary and Elizabeth. This is from Encarum in that village. They are rejoicing as they anticipate the birth of their boys. One, of course, would be Jesus, the other was his cousin, John the Baptist. Now, in the Gospel of Mark, there's no Christmas story. There's no virgin birth. There's no wise men. There's no shepherds. There's no innkeeper. There's no donkey. There's no starry, starry night in Bethlehem. No, the beginning verses of the Gospel of Mark start like this. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. As it was written by the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean region and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed that the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down to untie the strap of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That's our text for this morning from the Gospel of Mark. Good news? You betcha. You see, in Mark, the good news begins with the prophet Isaiah and John the Baptist. John, the misunderstood hellfire and brimstone preacher, was in fact a messenger of God. And John was bringing good news to tired Weak, scorned, broken people. People who found no place in the church because they weren't welcome. People who found no comfort in the harsh judgment of religious hypocrites. Now, how desperate were these people? Gathered at the River Jordan with John, they were so desperate that they had walked dozens of miles in the hot sun and dusty roads of Palestine, carrying in their hearts the outlandish hope of finding just a little bit of grace in their lives. And at that river, John called them to repent. What does that mean? It means that there was hope for them, that it was not too late, that the church that had judged them so harshly did not have the last word, that they were broken and excommunicated and wounded by the church but those folks did not speak for God, a God who now offered them comfort through John the Baptist, a God who gave them the opportunity to repent, the opportunity to rewrite their story, to shed the shame and guilt of former days and to embrace the grace of God. 
as they were immersed in the waters of the Jordan and came up to new life. You see, this was not hellfire and brimstone for the broken. It was a warning for those who sat in judgment of the broken, and it was a lifeline for those whose greatest need was comfort. Now, last week, if you were here, I preached a sermon called Buckets of Advent. I maintained that everything in my life and yours could be prayerfully placed in one of these two buckets. One was preparation, and one was waiting. Well, I also said that there was not a third bucket called procrastination. Now, after the service in the narthex, someone got in my face a little bit and said they were offended by my stance on the evils of procrastination. And I replied, can we talk about this at a later date? And they seemed very happy and went in and had coffee. But then I had another suggestion that came to me after, and that said, no, we should have a third bucket called let it go. And you know what? She was absolutely correct in that assessment. John called for repentance, for preparing our hearts and minds for the coming Messiah, but he also knew that waiting was inevitable, as God's timing is just that, God's timing. But John's call was for a new beginning. Good news to broken humans like us. Let it go. Let go of the painful past. Let go of the voices that hurt you and haunt you from the grave. Let go of the ancient hurts and grievances and bitterness and the deep-seated grudges that steal life from us. You see, she was right. It was the message of John the Baptist, a third bucket letting it go. God wishes you comfort this Christmas. God is not testing you. God has not abandoned you. Remember, God is your God, and nothing can change that reality. Yes, we are like grass. We are a mist here today, gone tomorrow. That is not a promise. That is the truth. No news of any kind here. You already knew that was the truth. But again, how might that reality inform the way you live and the way you love others this Christmas. And let me ask you, how many Christmases do you think you have left? If we're like grass, then certainly each day, each Christmas, each season is a precious gift. Each meal should be savored. Each hug should be holy. Each Christmas carol should be sacred. From silly devotions and sour-faced saints, good Lord, deliver me. A few weeks ago, we celebrated our 70th anniversary here at Trinity Lutheran Church, and we had a 50s party. And one of our charter members was present, and afterwards in the party, she came over to me. She had come from the mainland. She was just a child 70 years ago, but she was so moved by the joy of the people of Trinity Lutheran Church. This is a photo of that, uh, of that celebration. It's not a photo, actually, a little video. Next time you found her with your chin on the ground, there's a lot to be learned, so look around. Well, just what makes that little lamp think he'll move that rubbery plant? And just cut the sound down, just take the sound out. So they keep that running. When I talked to her in the party, she told me that when she was a teenager here on South Woodbeam, she and a couple of her church girlfriends decided to attend a dance in Clinton at the Progressive Hall. And when the pastor of Trinity found that out, he went there directly. He went to the hall to rescue the young ladies from their sinfulness and get them out of the path of sin. Our charter member joyfully marveled that 60 years later we were dancing right here <laughs> on the chancel of the sanctuary. You see, I have good news for you, my friends. We are people of good news. Now, let's be clear every day that not every day is good. Not every test from the doctor is pleasant. No one is unscathed, but every day is good when we are together. And every day is a gift, and we are loved by God, and we are forgiven by God, and we are never alone because God is with us, your God, and that's very good news. 
And it's not too late to change our story. It's not too late to savor every day. It's not too late to let go of past slights and offenses that are frozen in the pages of history. Comfort my people. That's what John said. Comfort my people from silly devotions and sour-faced saints. Good Lord, deliver us. Christmas is just two weeks away. How many more? No one knows. Make this one count, my friends. Make this one count. Amen? I'd like you to stand, and we're going to sing a canticle of the turning. now to God in prayer. Uh, Cheryl's going to lead us in the prayers. We have a song response. Uh, we'll sing that now and after each petition. Let us pray.
creator God, we give thanks to you for making all things new. May our hearts and minds be open to receiving you in new ways, to new insights in scripture, and new ways of understanding your presence among us. <clears throat> when we give over our burdens to you, we are not alone. Let us rejoice in the chance to carry each other's burdens and to share each other's joys. None of us is perfect. All of us are in need of grace and forgiveness. Let us extend grace and forgiveness to one another and to ourselves and strive to do better, to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with you. God, hear us as we sing to you. judgment, but justice. May your justice and mercy rain down on Israel and Palestine. May the captives be released, the wounded healed, the dead mourned, the bombs silenced, and soldiers returned home. May there be a just and lasting peace. May there be a truly sustainable solution. May your peace reign in every heart, home, and land. God, hear us as we sing to you. to join in the preparations for your son, Jesus. Let us grasp the opportunities to join the work as we notice and lift up those on the margins of society. Extend your hand of release to so many so long oppressed. Renew your good green earth for generations to come and pray for those found in grief, illness, or despair. God, hear us as we sing to you.
voice is calling us and will move us and shake us and stir us to action. For you will make all things new. The world is about to turn. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Thank you for sharing in that greeting of peace. Break it up. Thank you for sharing that greeting of the peace after the service. Uh, come on over in the gym. Coffee, cookies, cinnamon rolls today in the gym too. Fresh, hot, probably, cinnamon rolls uh, in the gym. Uh, look at your bulletin every week. There's a lot of things going on uh, here in the parish. So uh, take note of those things that are in the bulletin. Ask questions, get involved. I would encourage you to do that. Um, and then at the end of the service today, if uh, you have lovely, if you have a sweater of any kind, come forward. We're going to get pictures uh, up front. Uh, one, Laura will take a quick picture, so we'd encourage you to do that uh, as well. Um, we have uh, today's Endowment Sunday. They have a chocolate in there, I think, for you as well this morning. And I'm going to call on uh, Andy and Maya uh, from the Endowment Committee. Maya Erkes, uh, Andy Erlinson, they're going to come forward and share for a few minutes about uh, the endowment. Andy and Maya, welcome. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Endowment Sunday. So on behalf of the endowment committee, Andy and I are really here to thank everyone who has donated. A lot of people continue to donate. Um, as secretary, I'm the one that sees the names of who people, the people who donate. And there are some that like month after month are donating. So thank you very much. Um, you're supporting the mission. We are truly blessed to be a blessing here at Trinity Lutheran. Our donors continue to fund to build a legacy. And we're really exceptionally grateful to the increasing numbers and the people who lead the uh, endowment in their legacy. It's really a tremendous gift. The origin of our endowment goes back to 1999. It was one man's vision. Um, Steve, Steve Schressengost had the vision that we needed to touch the future. And I think he actually pestered Pastor Jim to make this a reality. And so he and his family seeded the endowment that many years ago. And really made a difference in the world. Yeah, thanks, Maya. And I'd also like to say thanks to all of you. Uh, it's pretty wonderful to be part of a, a church community that is so giving. Uh, you know, we imp impact the lives of so many, as the, the big checks out there would attest to. So uh, Steve started this way back when with a pretty small, you know, figure. It's probably... About 2,500, 2,900. 2, so any guesses where we are now? I'm the treasurer, by the way. I peeked at our numbers after the stock market closed on Friday. So where do you think we are now? Five million. We're, we're $33,000 shy of five million. That's pretty, pretty amazing. And that is with the stock market craziness of the past two years. Uh, we took out $200,000 this year. 150000 went to uh, the church council, which then found their found its way to several different uh, scholarships. Uh, another 50,000 went to, to different charities, many of them local charities to Whidbey Island. So the impact is real. Uh, the great thing about endowment though is, you know, and, and the committee, probably our primary objective is to work with our financial advisors to create a really balanced portfolio, one that preserves the capital, but grows it too. So that really it should outlive all of us in this room. We should be making an impact on the lives of many people you know, way beyond our lives, which, which is fantastic. That all said, no donation is too small. And so you'll find a, a, a giving tree there in the, in, the, in, the, in the back of the narthex. We're gonna be uh, in the gym as well. Uh, so I'd, I'd encourage each of you just to think about endowment. No, no time better 
then to start now. Hey, maybe like they say on you know public TV, yeah. we could make up that thirty-three thousand before the go. end of the year. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Who wants to pledge? Yes. yes. <laughs> so anyway, hope to talk to you after church. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> before you leave, let's just uh, let's just show them these checks. Uh, these are the checks that went out from the endowment. Uh, this uh, last. Um, draw from the endowment. What happens is the endowment committee invests in markets. They tell you about it and they do investing and then they give a draw to the church council and the church council decides where the money's going. And so uh, they just sent out checks, $5,000 to Whidbey Island Nourishes, uh, $5,000 to Whidbey Homeless Coalition, and what do you got there, Andy? Good Cheer, Good cheer Food Bank. So all of these are helping your neighbors. They're on the ground, they've already been uh, dispersed, and they're helping your neighbors. This is all through the endowment. And because of the endowment and the way it's set up, this happens every year. Every year, these gifts go out, and we don't use the money for salaries or heat or light. It all leaves our campus and goes out and does good in the world. So come see these folks in, in the, at the table in the, in the gym, and thank you, thank you all for your service. Yeah, thank you. Yep. Really remarkable. Good morning. Uh, just a couple quick announcements. First, a thank you. I got to take a group of our students shopping last Sunday for um, gifts for Holiday House down in Langley. We went over to Target, and I tell you, it was just delightful to see them all go out and choose different gifts for other kids in this community who could um, really use something this year. So thank you for supporting our kids in that. And then coming up this Thursday evening is our family fun night. So we will gather at 6 o'clock for dinner, and then we'll have gingerbread houses to decorate. So um, I'll have a whole table full of goodies, anything you could imagine putting on a gingerbread house. So this is for uh, people of all ages, um, not just children. So come and enjoy this Thursday evening at 6 o'clock. Thanks. And two weeks from uh, today is Christmas Eve. Uh, services that Sunday morning at 8 and 10. And then we have services at 4, 6, and 8. And I know Lana and Tony are working hard on, on setting up a volunteers for that, so there's a sign-up in the gym if you can help with any of those spots. As we transition towards the end of the service, uh, Carl's written a song for us he's going to share with us for the first time this morning. The uh, text from Isaiah and from Mark this week um, always seemed like a call to me to uh, join in that preparation that John the Baptist is saying that comfort my people. So this song is called Comfort My People. There's a refrain up there that you're welcome to sing that. Comfort 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 my people, says God. The messenger goes before you to prepare the way. The messenger goes before you to make the path straight and calls us to be part of announcing the day. Lend your hand to the struggle, help prepare the way. All our work will be doubled, for we've heard the prophet say, the messenger goes before you to prepare the way. The messenger goes before you to make the path straight and calls us to be part of announcing the day. In this baptism of repentance, hear your neighbors cry. Lift your voice, don't be silent, for God has told us why. 
wounded, bring release to the bound, health to the sick, lift the boot from off the backs of the oppressed. A messenger goes before you to prepare the way. The messenger goes before you to make the path straight and cause us to be part of announcing the day. Cry out, cry out that your warfare is ended. Lift up your voice. God's come to bring release. Comfort. Comfort. Comfort my people, says God. Comfort. 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 Make sure you stand as we uh, pray together, uh, singing together the Lord's Prayer. Depart from this place of worship. Go make a difference in the world where God puts you this week. And as you go, may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our ascending hymn soon and very soon. <laughs> 